0: Good morning, great men and women of God. I'm excited that you're here with us today. We're starting a new year with a a new series and a new kind of topic that we're going to tackle this morning. And I wanted to get you thinking about this. I'm going to ask for some audience participation. So uh, get your hand kind of wave it in the air like you just don't care. Get that going. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Can we raise your hand? How many of you would say that you grew up inside a church? Like you were pretty connected going to church, things like that. Okay. all right, hands down. How many of you would say that you grew up not very connected to a church? You were on the outside of that. Okay, good. Good little mix there of things. Okay, so here's a question I'm going to ask both of you groups. I'm going to ask the first one this. If you grew up inside the church, what did you grow up thinking following Jesus meant? What are some of the things that you grew up thinking this is what it means to follow Jesus. What are some of those things? Serving. Compassion. Doing good. Rules. Being a good girl. Were you a good girl? That's, oh, okay. <laughs> That's not a road I wanted to go. Let's move on. What else? What, what, what else did you think it meant to follow Jesus? Relationship? Go to church? Read your Bible? Love? Okay, stop for a second. Now, if you would raise your hand and you said, I kind of grew up outside the church. It was later, maybe, that I kind of came to understand some things. Uh, what did you understand that it meant following Jesus? You kind of looked in from the outside. Rules? Rules? Huh? Forgiven? Responsiveness to him? Didn't even know what it was. Judgment. Judgment. Huh? Faith. Okay. Shame. It's interesting, it's interesting that, that the, whether you grew up kind of in a church setting or you did not grow up in a church setting, we all formed some ideas of what it would mean to follow Jesus. We heard follow Jesus. What does that mean? I came to Christ when I was 13, and I got involved in a great church, and it gave me a great foundation for my faith, And for my life. And it also formed a lot of the way that I thought what it meant to follow Jesus. Unfortunately, a takeaway that I began to pick up was this. I'm going to show you on here. So let's say that these dots all represent people. This is you. This is me. It's your friend. your neighbor. It's everybody in the world. And what I began to take away from this is that there was this circle And if you were inside the circle, you were following Jesus. And if you were outside the circle, you weren't following Jesus. This is what we call a bounded set. It is a set which is determined by the boundary, these walls that go around it. People inside the circle believed the right things and they behaved in the right ways. And people outside the circle did not. It was really that simple. That was the dividing line between the followers of Jesus and those who weren't. So if you were inside the circle, you dressed in certain ways. And if you were outside the circle, you dr- didn't. If you were inside the circle, you avoided certain places and people and things. And If you were outside the circle, you didn't. If you were inside the circle, you voted a certain way. And if you are outside the circle, of course, you didn't. This is how I began to understand. And it wasn't just about belief I mean, I'm behavior, but it was also about beliefs. People inside the circle didn't just believe in Jesus, but they believed certain things about Jesus. The right things, the right way that the world was going to end, the right way to think about this topic, the right interpretation. And if you didn't believe those things, well, maybe you were really on the outside of the circle. Now think for a minute about yourself. And if I were to hand you this marker, and I'd say, hey, why don't you walk up here this morning and 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 put your dot, where you are, where would you put yourself? Some of you might say, I'm here. Some of you might say, I'm way out here. Some of you would say, well, I'm kind of right there, or maybe I'm right on the other side. This is the way that we define things. Now, once you were inside the circle, uh, you had a calling, and the calling was to get everybody who was outside the circle to come inside the circle. That was this call, and you wanted to get these people in, and of course, once they came in, they would begin to behave and believe just like you. And if they didn't, they were outside. And you could go outside the circle, but only if you were going to be rescuing or saving these people. And the big no-no, the thing you were most concerned about is, I don't want to go outside the circle and let those people rub off on me. It's a one-way direction. But as I lived with this circle, I found I was becoming someone I didn't like. I wasn't really getting better at following Jesus, I was getting better at staying inside the circle. I was getting better at defining what that circle went like. And sometimes in my life, that circle might expand a little bit, sometimes though it would tighten a little bit, and, but I was, always had that mentality of the boundary marker. I found myself better at evaluating and even judging those who were on the outside of the circle. One author recently captured who I felt I was becoming. I read this and I thought that sounded like I, how I felt. He said this, over time, I'd quietly developed a subtly narcissistic religious worldview where God gradually became the God of the good people. And conveniently, the good people tended to always look and sound and believe an awful lot like I did. Can you resonate with that? Isn't it? Amazing that we look at ourselves and we we tend to think that people that that look and sound and believe an awful lot like we do, well, they must be inside the circle with us. And I'm not sure this is what Jesus had in mind. And as we begin year we want to return to the simplicity of what it means to follow Jesus and uh, sometimes you may hear the word disciple and and discipleship and we all have different concepts of what that looks like and in fact if I pulled you and started writing things down we'd fill up several pages of what we think that means I, I want to reduce it to a very simple thought and it's this a disciple is someone who follows Jesus say that with me a disciple is someone who follows Jesus And there are dozens of times that Jesus would walk up to somebody in the Gospels and he'd look at them and he would say, follow me. And they did. Follow me and I'll give you a purpose. Follow me and I'll give you a hope. Follow me and I'll give you a future. Live like I live. Serve like I serve. Give like I give. Love like I love. I'll show you how if you will just follow me. And so over the next month, what we're hoping to see here at Pope Rock is how can we help us take the next step in following Jesus? But one of the the, the things to identify first is where am I on that process? Where am I on this process of following Jesus? And so I want to give you some help with that by turning to Mark chapter 2, the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 2. Mark is going to capture for us one of these times that Jesus said, follow me. We're going to dig into it and just see, well, what does that mean? What did he mean when he said that? So we're going to start in verse 13. Once more, Jesus went out beside the sea. All the crowd came to him and taught them. As he went along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the toll booth. All right, just a, a pause as a reminder here. We've talked about this before. But back in this day, during this time, the Romans were the occupying force over the land. And one of the ways they enforced kind of their rule was by levying heavy fines and taxes on people. And the way they did that was really ingenious. They went into towns and they would find Jewish men and they would say, will you be the toll collector for this town? And so that guy said yes, and he was allowed to keep whatever he wanted as long as the Romans got their cut so you had these toll collectors, so you would show up in town, maybe you're coming into market to do some selling of your, of your wares, and you find that you have to stop at the toll booth and you have to pay a hefty fine. And you're looking across at a guy who is your brother, who is your friend, who was your neighbor, and he's betrayed you. And so toll collectors or tax collectors were the lowest of the low. They were hated as traitors, as thieves. They were definitely what? Outside the circle. What does Jesus do with someone who's outside the circle? Verse 14. Follow me, he said. And Levi got up and followed him. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when you read the Gospels, it feels very random that Jesus walks up to people and says, follow me, follow me, follow me. And they do. Imagine if I went to downtown Colorado Springs this afternoon and started walking around and pointing at people and saying, hey, follow me, follow me, follow me. I'd probably get a few choice words, a lot of people ignoring me. But Jesus does this, and people follow him. I want you to understand that this wasn't just that Jesus was so magnetic in his personality. This is actually a practice that would happen back in the day. See, in our day, if we wanted to go get an education, we would go to a school, or we'd go to a college, we'd get a degree, or something like that. But back in this day, if you wanted to get an education, you didn't go to a school, you went to a person. If you wanted to learn carpentry, you went to a carpenter and followed them around. If you wanted to learn how to be a profitable merchant, you would go to a merchant and you would follow them around. If you wanted to get an education in God, you would find a rabbi like Jesus. Now, one of the things that would happen is these rabbis would say, I want you to follow me around, I'm going to teach you what I know, and I'm going to show you the path to loving God. Now, one thing that's interesting is, all these rabbis had kind of their own take on what it meant to follow God. They had their own spin on it, so to say. So one rabbi might focus a little bit more on this, and one might focus a little more on that. And so this is one of the reasons why the Pharisees were constantly asking Jesus questions about his beliefs and what he thought, because they were trying to figure out, what flavor are you? What's your spin, rabbi Jesus? That's what the path was. When a rabbi felt like you had truly gotten it, when a rabbi felt like, you know, you've been with me for a number of years, I think you understand now, I think you get it, they would hand you this, a key. Now the key did not unlock a door, it was just an insignia of the rabbi. It's kind of like when you go to a graduation ceremony and you see people with different colored hoods that represent a field of study or a, 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 a part of education. They were giving you a key saying, you have a degree in me. By the way, this is why later when Jesus is talking with one of his students, one of his followers, a man named Peter, he gives him a final exam. And the final exam was this. Okay, Peter, you've been with me for years. You've followed me. You've watched me. You've walked with me. You've seen me. Who do you think I am? Peter gives the answer. You are Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, that's right, you've passed. And then he said this to him. He said, you are Peter the rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't overpower it, and I will give to you the keys to the kingdom. Now, what he was not saying was, okay, Peter, this is a uh, boundary that's really important, and it's locked, and I'm going to give you the authority to decide who gets to come in and who doesn't. No, no, no. What he's saying is this. Peter, you get it. You know who I am. You know what it means to follow me. You know what it takes to to be one of my followers. You know what I'm about. You know the kingdom I'm bringing. You've got the degree. I'm giving you the keys. Go be a rabbi for others. Show them how. So back in Mark, when Jesus looks at this man Levi and says, follow me, he's not saying, follow me inside a circle. He's saying, I want you to follow me. It's not about a circle. It was about a direction. It was about a person follow me, Levi, and I'll show you. See, Jesus was enlisting Levi into this crusade to bring the kingdom back to earth. When we go back to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, we see this, this great call to be great men and women of God, to reflect God's image in the way that we love and that we lead what we've been given and the way that we live. That's life as God intended. This was the kingdom. And yet, in Genesis chapter 3, we find that we rejected that kingdom. We said, no, we don't want to live the way that you intended. In fact, we want to have our own gods of of sex and power and money and entitlement. I like how N.T. Wright explains it. He says, made for spirituality, we wallow in introspection. Made for joy, we settle for pleasure. Made for justice, we clamor for vengeance. Made for relationship, we insist on our own way. Made for beauty, we're satisfied with sentiment. See, the first half of those are, that's Genesis 1. We were made for this, and then Genesis 3, but we rejected it and chose other things. And the kingdom got put on hold. Until one day when a man named John the Baptist showed up and started making this crazy announcement that the kingdom that had been on hold is now coming back online. And even crazier, a man that he baptized named Jesus Christ shows up and starts inviting people to follow him in this brand new story he's writing called, The Kingdom of God is Within You. And people start to follow Jesus, and they follow him all the way to what they think is the end when he dies on a cross. But then there's a resurrection. And Jesus goes to where we will one day go, returns to call us to follow him even more, to join the arc of the universe that is bending towards God, restoring all things. As as Wright continues, he says this, But new creation has already begun. The sun has begun to rise. Christians are called to leave behind in the tomb of Jesus Christ all that belongs to the brokenness and incompleteness of the present world. That is what it means to be a Christian. To follow Jesus Christ into the new world, God's new world, which he has thrown open before us. By the way, that's why we call you great men and women of God. Many of you might be guests with us today and you're You showed up and I said, hey, good morning, great men and women of God. And you're thinking, are you talking about that guy? Like, who are you talking about? We're talking to you. Because we're calling you back to Genesis 1. We're calling you back to life as God intended and who God created you to be. Even though many of us uh, are still living out of Genesis 3. And that's where we find this man, Levi. He's living in the brokenness and the emptiness of Genesis 3. He's not happy with his life. This isn't the way he intended it to go. And yet this man shows up and says, Follow me, I've got a new story. So that's a lot to take in. And we still haven't thought about, well, what is, the, what is kind of the implication of this? But I want to pause for a moment, and I want to give you a chance to reflect on this with God. This is something we do at Pulpit Rock, where I'm going to put a few questions up here, and we're going to give you a couple minutes to, uh, to consider and talk with God about this. And here's kind of a question. This is a self-assessment, but I would invite you to ask God to help you answer these questions. The first question is, would you say that you are following Jesus? Is that a phrase you would use to describe your life at this point? You might say, yes, I am. No, I'm not. Kind of. I don't know. And then I want you to ask God this question. Where is Jesus calling me to follow him today? Is there something I'm I'm sensing that he's leading me to? I want to give you a minute to reflect on that. Then I'm going to come back and we're going to see what the people around Levi, how they react to this call. invites this man, Levi, not to come inside a circle, but to follow a person. Now, how did people who thought they were inside the circle react to that? Well, Mark tells us in verse 15. He goes on and he says, that's how Jesus came to be sitting at home with lots of tax collectors and sinners, and there they were plenty of them, sitting with Jesus and his disciples. They had become his followers. So the very first thing that Levi did when he was invited to follow Jesus was to throw a party for all of his friends. He welcomed all his tax collector buddies to a table with Jesus. Now, here's what's interesting. Mark tells us that these are tax collectors and sinners, but he also tells us that they had become his followers. Uh, when you, you think about that, you go, maybe, maybe Mark made a mistake here. Maybe Mark meant to say uh, he was sitting with lots of former tax collectors and sinners. They, they had stopped collecting taxes. They had stopped sinning, and now they had started following that's not what Mark says. And I'm wondering, Jesus, wait a minute. You 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 didn't really draw the boundaries. You what you should have said is, um, okay, stop collecting taxes, start going to temple, pray more, give more, do more, leave the, your association from the Romans, and now you can follow me. But Jesus doesn't do that. He just says, follow me. So now you have what my point is, you have some followers of Jesus that are. Outside the circle. That's confusing. And so people that thought they were inside the question circle asked this question. Verse 16, when the legal experts from the Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, this is really creative, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? You have circle insiders who are outside the home, looking inside the home at a man who's sitting with outsiders, but treating them like insiders while they're watching from outside. Is that confusing? That was confusing. This is my favorite part. So Jesus hears this question. He's inside. He can hear them. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, it's sick people who need the doctor, not healthy ones. I came to call the bad people, not the good ones. Jesus overhears them outside and yells out, "Uh, the reason is because I'm here to eat with bad people and sick people and people who need help. And Levi's like, yeah, guys like us. Wait, what? <laughs> like, Don't you think that's funny that like, like Levi's sitting right there and Jesus like, well, I'm sitting here with Levi because I want to be eating with people who are sick and bad and need help. And yet Levi doesn't seem to be offended. I think it's because he got it. I think if, you, if we were able to pull Levi here today and say, hey, talk about your life, he would say, of course I was sick. Of course I needed help. I was a toll collector for the Romans. I, I, no one grows up as a kid thinking that's what I want to do someday. I'm living a life that's hurting the people in my village, uh, in my town. I, I, I'm, uh, this is not the man. I, I feel far from God. I, I don't, I'm not inside the circle. Uh, of course I need help. It leads me to this thought that people who see that they need help make the best followers. See, these healthy people, these good people, as the Pharisees thought they were, they thought, we don't need to follow Jesus. We're already inside the circle. We're inside all the boundaries. Why would we need to follow you? We're already here. But Jesus is announcing a new kingdom where the circles don't matter. A kingdom where it's no longer about who's in and who's out, but who's following and who is not. Let me see that again. Jesus' kingdom is not about who is in and who is out, but who is following and who is not. He's shifting something here. Those who admit that they are sick, those who admit that they need help, those who say, I'm willing to follow you, Jesus, they are closer to the kingdom than people who felt like, well, I'm already inside the circle. And this is why the Pharisees missed it. They were looking at the circle. uh, Levi was looking at Jesus. It was always confusing to these Pharisees. Just think about this for a minute. You're, you're a Pharisee, and you're living inside the circle. You're following every single rule there is, and Jesus shows up, and he says, you know who's really close to the kingdom? These tax collectors. Wait a minute. But I'm, I'm doing everything right. How can you say, look at the way they are, and what they believe, and how they act, and how they dress. How can you say they're closer to the kingdom than me? And it's because you can follow Jesus, or you can criticize those who are pick one you don't get to do both. And I've noticed that when you're busy following Jesus you're not really focused on who's inside or outside the circle you're starting to ask who's following and who's not. One of the things I've really grappled with over the last decade of this life is this reality that Jesus is much more welcoming and embracing than I am. I have rules to follow, I have boxes to check, I have labels to use, I have the right words to say, and when people do those and their journey looks like mine, then they're inside the circle. And then I had teenagers, (laughs) and I'm wrestling with the reality that their journeys are going to look different than mine. Jesus says, follow me. I want people to follow him like I do. And the fight of his life of Jesus was always to widen the circle of who was invited in. And in Mark, we see a Jesus who was okay with people who were not good people, who were not behaving right, who were not believing right, who were not like him. I want to ask you something. I want you to really, really hear this question. Could it be true that you, just as you are, are someone that God is comfortable with? That you, just as you are right now, is someone that Jesus said, I would have dinner with that person. I'd be comfortable with it. Could it be true that if you came to Pulpit Rock and we don't love you and accept you and welcome you, that that is our fault and not your fault? Could that be true? In fact, could it be true that maybe we need to move away from the circle altogether? My friend Reggie talks about the difference between people who see themselves as part of a bounded set or a uh, 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 centered set. Thank you. Uh, I knew I was going to say something. Our circle here is a bounded set, right? So you are in or you are out if you are in the boundaries here. And the question always asked by bounded set people is, are you in or are you out? Are you following inside the boundaries or out? This is how the Pharisees operated all through the Gospels. Unfortunately, this is how many churches operate. But there's a centered set perspective, however, that is different. And the focus here is not on the boundaries. It is on the direction and the distance from the center. So you take these same people from our other diagram, people like you, your neighbor, your buddy, your relative. You put Christ here. And this set is defined by the distance and direction. So you have people that are following towards this direction. Notice they may be coming from different perspectives, different backgrounds, but they're moving. Now you have some people that are moving away. But what begins to define this is not are you inside the boundaries or not, but are you following or not? What's the direction of your life? Are you moving towards the center or away? You see, when Jesus Christ said, follow me, he it was an invitation to choose a direction not a command to adopt a doctrinal manifesto or to align yourself with a set of religious rites. And this means this, there are people outside the circle that are moving at great speed towards God's work in the world whether they or we know it or not. say that again. There are some people that we might think are outside the circle that might be moving in a great direction towards God and his work in the world. And this is why Jesus could say, that person over there who's outside the circle, they are closer to the kingdom than you are. Now that's a mind-blowing thought, whether we know it or not. The key is not the boundary marker. The key is the space between a person and Jesus and the direction they're moving in. What direction are you moving in this year? It begins to give us some freedom as we think about people because we stop worrying about are they in or out and we start worrying, are, hey, how are they following Jesus and are they close? And Maybe they don't believe all the right things yet. Maybe they don't behave in all the right ways that we think, but they're moving towards Jesus and that's good and we can affirm that. Pharisees never affirm people moving towards God. They affirm people who were either doing it or weren't. i give you a couple statements that... that kind of conclude this together. What does this look like? I think it looks like a couple things. Number one, you don't have to believe in Jesus to begin following him. You don't have to believe Jesus is God. You don't have to believe Jesus rose from the dead. You don't have to believe Jesus is the Son of God. You don't have to believe that to begin following him. Now, you might say, well, I think that you do have to believe that. Okay, then you got a problem with Peter. Peter followed Jesus for three years before he finally figured it out. You can follow Jesus without believing You also don't have to behave a certain way to begin following Jesus. Those tax collectors at the party hadn't stopped becoming tax collectors yet. Those sinners at the party hadn't stopped and had time yet, but they had started following Jesus. You don't have to change who you are to begin following Jesus. You don't have to clean up your act. You don't have to make sure that you're doing enough things right that you finally get inside the circle. Some of you may feel like Levi. Maybe you feel like you're not really living the life that you know you were created to live. And that's okay. I want to welcome you to Pulpit Rock. We all feel like that. (laughs) And I hope that you feel welcome to continue to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus. Our focus and our concern for you is, are you moving in the right direction towards Jesus? But I do want to give you a warning. I do want to be honest with these two statements. And it's a statement that is, when you begin to follow someone, you take on their characteristics. And that's this reality, if you begin to follow Jesus, it will change the way that you live. Not because you're learning a new system of rules and things, but because you're beginning to get closer, and you're beginning to learn how to love like he loved, and to live like he lived, and to give like he gave, and to serve like he served, and that begins to change how you live. Now, there are some times, I believe, when we begin to follow him that we do have to draw some boundary sets. Sometimes when you start talk about things like leadership or, or being entrusted with certain things that there does need to be some bounded sets that we have to have. We get that. Jesus did that. put some of the disciples in positions of leadership only after they had been following him for a while. But for us today, I just want you to hear this message. You can begin following him. How can you begin? Let me give you a couple thoughts on that as we close. The First is this. What if you began asking this question tomorrow morning? Jesus, where am I following you today? What if you began that? And and, and don't don't worry about it, in or out. Just wake up and say, Jesus, I I would like to follow you today. Where am I following you today? One one thing that you might discover is that some of you are following Jesus in ways you don't even know yet. You're, You're moving towards him. You're beginning to value the things he values and love the things that he loves. What if you took that as your question for the day over this year? Jesus, where am I following you today? And see where that takes you. Here's a second thought. Uh, What if you partnered with us as you tried to figure out what it meant to follow Jesus? See, January is a time that we as a church uh, made a shift a few years ago. We moved away from a bounded set type of membership which said, okay, uh, fill out this piece of paper and and do this, and now you're in and you're in until the day that you die or you go to another church in town. Whatever, either one of those those two things. And we said, you know, let's stop talking about the journey like this. Let's start talking about it this way. Hey, we're going to follow Jesus this year in this way. Would you like to join us and let's do it together? And so this month of January, we talk about membership, and you'll hear a little bit more about that in the next few weeks, but I just want you to hear that when we talk about membership, it's not the country club. It's not I'm, I, I filled out a card and 50 years ago, and by golly, I'm here. It is, no, it is a movement thing. We aren't helping people journey with God. We're on a journey, and we're saying, if you want to be on this journey with us, let's align and move towards Christ together. That's another way that you could take a step, and we'll have some ways as a church that we can help you and help each other. One last thought, though, on this is, what if you followed Jesus in baptism? Jesus Christ was baptized. He tells us that, that being baptized is a decision that we make that is part of what it looks like to follow him, and he invites us to do that. On January 21st of this year, we're going to have baptisms here, and, and if that's something you've been thinking about or praying about, or maybe even this morning, you're, you're feel like, ah, I think God's want me to take that step. We'd love to do that and celebrate that with you. Over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack more of what it means to follow him. Next week, I am excited and want to share with you some of the practices that people have found most helpful in following Christ. I want to share a bunch with you, and my hope is that you'll find one that you go, you know, I think that's the thing that I'm going to kind of tackle and step into this year. That's next week, but for today, follow him. I'll give you that question again. Where are you following Jesus today? Now, a great place to begin to follow Jesus is where Levi and his buddies began their journey at the table. The table's where we receive the cup. The table's where we break the bread. And the table is where we meet Jesus and remember why he's worth following. So in a moment, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to uh, prepare ourselves, and then we're going to open up the table And I want to invite you to come to the tables today, not as someone who's inside the circle, but as someone who says, I'm walking towards you, Jesus. I'm coming to you like Levi and his buddies. You don't have it all figured out. You need help. We all need it. And you're coming to the table to follow Jesus. May this act, physical act of rising and walking to a table be symbolic of this journey that you want to take with Jesus in 2018 to follow him you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you moved away from circles and boundaries and into following and into a person. Thank you that you reached out to Levi, even though he was outside of the circle in every way. Thank you that you reach out to us. And you call us to follow you. We prepare to come to your table today as men and women who are desiring to follow you. May we hear you speak truth to us as we come to the table. In Christ's name, amen.